Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit that you've allowed to indwell in this feeble body to empower me to live the life I should live. Thank you, Lord, for your healing. Thank you, Lord, for your answered prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your continual provision in my life. Here is today's Word from the Lord with Archbishop Foley Beach. In the 1500s, there was an Englishman named William Tyndall, or some say Tyndale, who attempted to translate the Bible from Latin into the English language. At that point, it was all in Latin. Well, he was branded a heretic by the English, and so he went to Germany. And in Germany, he translated by hand the whole Bible and put it into English. And ordinary people were able to have their own Bibles. Tyndale was burned at the stake for his gift to the human race in 1537. How dare you go against the church? A few decades later, in 1611, his translation was used almost word for word to put the King James Version of the Bible together, which most of us are familiar with. Why? So ordinary people could read the Bible. And you and I are blessed to have the written word because of the sacrifice of others literally giving their lives, preserving it, translating it, and printing it. Why? So we could read the Bible. If we could take but 10 minutes a day to prayerfully read the word of God, our spiritual lives would be deeper than you can imagine. In today's world, we, again, we have incredible resources available to us so that we can read the Word of God daily in a systematic approach and in a version that you can understand. There are so many systems available to guide you to read the Bible in a daily systematic way. Of course, we have the lectionary, but there's all kind of different ways to do that. And what I mean by that is to read a a passage from the Bible and then the next day you pick up where you left off. It's systematic. For example, if you read the Gospel of John, the first day you might read John chapter 1 or the first few paragraphs, and the next day you pick it up where you left off. Or some people like to read Proverbs, a a proverb a day, because there's 31 Proverbs. So today would have been the 13th chapter of of Proverbs. Today, if you would read chapter 1 of whatever you're reading, and then tomorrow you read chapter 2. It's amazing what will, how God will use that to speak into your life or to speak to the things that you're dealing with. We read the newspaper. We read our favorite magazines. We read novels. We read our favorite websites. Lord Jesus, help us to read the Scriptures. The third thing he says in the prayer is to mark it. That's to underline or circle or highlight Write out verses. You know, it's okay to write in your Bible. You know, it it is. Underline important passages which speak to you or or circle key words or highlight connecting thoughts. Put question marks by things you don't understand. Write other verses in the margin which may relate to the passage. Write dates next to a verse when God uses that to speak to you. Tab places which you know you need to go back and read again and again and again. At home, I have one Bible, and, and I've gone through it, and I've marked all the verses on prayer in yellow. So when I, do, I want to do a study on what the Bible says about prayer, I just go and I look at that. 
And another Bible, back in my early days in the Christian faith, I went through and I color-coded all the, the uh, chapters of Proverbs and the verses in Proverbs according to topic, you know, what, what they relate to. The Lord wants us to mark and, and use our Bibles. Someone has often said, you know, one of the ways that uh, you know a, a godly life is how well-worn their Bible is. Of course, that's not always true now because we, uh, we, we use the Bible in different ways. The fourth thing is to learn it. What does it really mean? What was the context of the passage? How does this apply to us today? What does it mean? Learn it. For example, the Ten Commandments. We all talk about the Ten Commandments. Well, how many do you really know? I mean, if you had to quote them. Can you share what Paul taught about love and what is not love? Or can you talk about what John taught about love and what is not love? Could you explain God's plan of salvation? Do you know any of the promises of God which apply to your life? Do you know them? Can you share any of the miracles that Jesus did? Say you got in a conversation with somebody. Do you know any of the miracles that he did? Can you explain any of his parables and what they mean? We need to learn the Word of God. And this includes studying it and memorizing it. How much of the scriptures could you quote? Say someone took your Bible away and you no longer had access to it. How much would you remember? One thing I did as a youngster was to memorize the letter to the Philippians. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to the saints who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, I can just go on and on and on. And it's amazing how when you put it in your memory, it'll come back at the right time. The Holy Spirit will use that. So say there's, you're struggling with anxiety or burdens or forgiveness or, or any other issue. You find a scripture about that and then memorize it. Uh, my life verse I, I put to memory. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Lord Jesus, help us to learn the Scriptures. And then the last thing He says here is to inwardly digest it. That is to meditate on it, reflect on it, think about it. Psalm 1, verse 1, which we heard this morning in the, in the readings. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And upon his law he meditates, meditates, day and night. Joshua 1, 8. He writes, do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now, the Hebrew word for meditate is a word picture of a cow chewing its food. And how does a cow eat the grass? It's not very pleasant. What did you say? Slowly. Slowly. Well, he chews on it, or she chews on it, swallows it, and then she brings it back up. And then she chews on it some more, and then she swallows it, and then she brings it back up, and then she chews on it, and she swallows it. That's what we do with the Word of God. That's what meditate means. 
We're to inwardly digest it. We're to think about it, muse about it, think about it, reflect on it. We take it in and we dwell on it as it's in us. Sometime when you're worried at night or you're laying in your bed and you can't sleep, take one of these passages of Scripture and just begin to meditate on it. It's amazing what will happen. First of all, the enemy will have you back to sleep in a few seconds. (laughs) But oftentimes, God will use it to uh, speak to you and to speak to the issue you're facing. Lord Jesus, help us to inwardly digest the Scripture. So the five fingers of getting a grasp on the Scriptures, to hear them, read them, mark them, learn them, and inwardly digest them. Now the prayer continues, quoting Romans 15, 4, that we may ever embrace and hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ. We will not embrace the hope. We will not hold fast to the hope. We will not even know the hope which God has given us in Jesus in the Scriptures unless we learn it. Because of the world we live in, Too often we're living in darkness because we won't stop and ask for directions. Too often we're living in despair because we won't stop and ask for directions. Too often we're living in ignorance because we won't stop and ask for directions. We don't have to. Grant us, Lord, to hear them, to read them, to mark them, to learn them, and to inwardly digest them. Amen. Amen. That was Bishop Beach with a recap from last week's message, Living the Bible. And now Bishop Beach brings us the message, Give Thanks to the Lord. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 4 says this, Give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Now I'd like for you to imagine for a moment that you're 25 years old. Okay, you're 25 years old, and the year is 1900. 25, 1900. The president of the United States is William McKinley. The governor of Georgia is Alan Candler. Anybody ever heard of him? No. (laughs) It's 1900. At that time, there were only 8,000 cars throughout the whole country. And most of them wouldn't go more than 15 miles an hour, and they had trouble on what they considered roads at that time. Actually, the first automobile to be affordable was in 1908 with the Ford Model T. So in 1900, basically there were no cars, or at least most people people hadn't even seen them. In 1900, electricity was a real adventure. Electricity began in the 1880s, and only the wealthy could afford it. So in 1900, you would not have power in your house. No refrigerators. No electric heat. No air conditioning. No lights. They lit by candles and oil lamps. Running water in one's homes did not become common in the U.S. until the mid-1900s. So no indoor toilets, no showers and baths, no dishwashers and washing machines. 
Actually, I, I ran across a quote from a, a woman who's had gotten one of these newfangled bathtubs. You know, it's kind of what we view now as kind of normal. And uh, she made the comment. She said, well, when the room temperature gets below freezing, it's kind of pointless to use it. <laughs> there was no radio, no television, no computers, smartphones, iPods, or iPads, no movies, although they had plays and operas, no airplanes, no helicopters, no rockets. Now, again, we're just talking 120 years ago. In the area of medicine, there was nothing like we have with the hospitals today. No technology for x-rays or sonograms or CAT scans, no laser surgery. No prescriptions or anything like we have today. Aspirin, bare aspirin, wasn't patented until the middle of the year of 1900. So in, in 1900, basically no one had aspirin or ibuprofen or that kind of medication. Doctors literally practiced medicine. Not like today where we have scientific proven methods to help people. Uh, there were no sports like we have today, although baseball and football and basketball were evolving and developing. Uh, the main transportation was your horse or buggy, or if you're going somewhere, the train or water transportation or your feet. In 1900, churches didn't have what we have today. They were lit by candles or the windows. Piano or pump organs were how music was played, if they had that at all. Uh, no microphones. A heat was by a potbelly stoves or fireplaces, or they didn't have heat. And there was no air conditioning. Uh, I remember hearing a story about a, a pastor. He went to be the rector of a church in the 1960s. And he arrives at the church and the first service, he noticed that everybody was sitting over here on the epistle side. And halfway through the service at the peace, everybody got up and went over to the gospel side. And he thought, oh, this is really strange. And so he began to ask, why are you all doing this? Why do, and nobody knew. And then finally he found an old timer. And this woman said to him, well, you see, back in the old days, the church was heated by a pot belly stove. And so when it was cold in the morning, everybody would be around the pot belly stove, but then the stove would get too hot. So halfway through the service, everybody would have to get on the other side of the church. And they had kept that tradition going, and nobody knew why. <laughs> Materials for the spiritual life consisted of your King James Bible, if you could get one, a book of common prayer, if you could get one, popular books published in the country, uh, many preachers would publish their sermons or they would write on spiritual topics. It's interesting that at that time only 10% of the population didn't read. So that's how you received news or information or learned about the spiritual life. Now I could go on and on about how life just 120 years ago has changed in this country and how good we have it how blessed we are. I mean, do you realize in the scope of human history how privileged we are to live when we do? And I mean privileged. Not only are we blessed to live when we do, to have the resources that we have or to know the things that we know, but we're blessed to live where we live. 
When was the last time you gave thanks to the Lord for the privilege of being born in this time period, for having the things you do, for experiencing what you have in life and what you've been able to experience? Give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. What about your health? I mean, it could be worse. What about your education? What about your job? What about that hot shower this morning? Give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. When was the last time you thanked him for your family or for your friends or for your relationships or or for this church? As believers in God and followers of Jesus Christ, this should be ingrained in our DNA. We're so grateful for what he has done for us in Jesus, for him dying on the cross for our sins, for him rising to life again so that we know we'll be able to have eternal life, that he's forgiven me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit that you've allowed to indwell in this feeble body to empower me to live the life I should live. Thank you, Lord, for your healing. Thank you, Lord, for your answered prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your continual provision in my life. Thank you, Lord, for your protection. Give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. I mean, this should be normal for us Christians. But it isn't for too many of us. We gripe and we complain. We act like spoiled children when we don't get our way. We forget how good we have it. We forget how good he's been to us. We get focused on self, me, myself, and I, and we forget about God. Give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. There's a story in the Gospels about Jesus healing 10 lepers. It's in Luke chapter 17, and I want to read it to you. It's Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. If you remember in that culture, if you had leprosy, you just couldn't walk into a crowd. You had to announce ahead of time, leper, leper. And, so there's, and you had to stay off at a distance. And so people would do that. And so these lepers are off at a distance and they're yelling to Jesus, Jesus, Master, Lord, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priest. Now in the Old Testament, there was specific instruction given to someone had leprosy and they had been healed. They were supposed to go to the priest and the priest had a formula to check them out. So that's what he's talking about. Go, show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. So you get the picture? Ten of them go off, they're they're healed. One comes back, it's a Samaritan. That means the other ones were Jews. And then Jesus responds, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? 
Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? When I hear these words, it's almost as if I, when, when I read this story, it jumps out as, as, as if God's disappointed. It's almost like he's hurt. Only one's giving thanks? Just one? And then to top it all off, not even one of my people, one of the Jews, came to give thanks. It's this foreigner. It's this Samaritan. Oh, that this wouldn't be said about you and me. God does so much in our lives. Oh, that we would not be one who doesn't give thanks. Give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. We live in a country which still has a national holiday, a day called Thanksgiving Day. This was a day the government set aside for the citizens of this nation to pause and thank God for all our many blessings, especially the blessings of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, to thank Him for all the things He's done in our lives. For us, for us Christians, this should be a lifestyle. We shouldn't have to have a special day, but sadly, we need one because we just zip along in our life and we do our own thing and, and we never stop and give thanks. So I want to challenge you on this Thanksgiving day to not take it for granted. I mean, first of all, we need to be thanking him that we still are able to have a Thanksgiving day in the country we live in. Everything else seems to be taken away that's spiritual. Pause this week and thank him for your life. Thank him for your family. Thank him for what's important to you. Pause this week with your family and give thanks to the Lord. No matter how bad things are for you right now, surely there's something you can give thanks for. Surely there's something that you can be thankful about. And here's a little secret of the spiritual life. I don't quite understand it. But if you will stop and give thanks, even in the midst of the difficult times that you're going through, something happens. There's a a turn that happens. Something happens. And you're blessed. Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. As you go through this week, We're going to hear thanksgiving again and again. Thanksgiving, thanksgiving, thanksgiving. Family for thanksgiving. All these things. After thanksgiving sales. Thanksgiving, thanksgiving, thanksgiving. Let it be a trigger for you to pause and thank God for something. Let it be a reminder that our God has blessed us in so many ways. And we need to express our appreciation. Amen? Give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Amen. It's that time of year again when a word from the Lord evaluates the effectiveness of the broadcast. So if you would like to continue to hear a word from the Lord, please contact us with the call letters of the station where you hear our broadcast. You can contact Foley directly at foleybeach at a wordfromthelord.org. Or you can write to us. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, Three zero six five five. Remember to include the call letters of the station. Thank you for listening to A Word from the Lord. 
Hi, this is Foley Beach, and I want to say first thanks for listening to a word from the Lord today, and I hope this program has ministered to you. Uh, we are so grateful that you're listening, and I just wanted to ask if uh, if this has spoken to you in any way, if you just let us know. Uh, send me an email or write me a letter. Jeremy will have that information in a few minutes. Uh, but also, if you've got questions or if, if there's something about your spiritual life you've been wondering about and you just need somebody to uh, to talk to about it, feel free to send a letter. And either uh, me or, or someone who's skilled in the area that you're asking about will, will send you a response. But again, thank you for listening, and I ask the Lord to bless you this day. If you would like to get a copy of today's message, write to us at P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Or you can order online at awordfromthelord.org. If you have any comments or questions, you can email Foley at foleybeach at a word from the Lord dot O-R-G. For everyone here at A Word from the Lord, it is our prayer that you would be seeking a word from the Lord.